We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs... Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, this is Anna. And before we start, I need to share some sad news with you. In our siblings episode, you met Alex Sugarman and her twin, Katie, who had cerebral palsy and was quadriplegic. Alex got in touch to tell us that her sister Katie died on July 17th. Katie had a heart attack. She was taken to the hospital and put on life support, but her condition continued to deteriorate. Katie was an organ donor, and her body, which she could feel so confined by, helped save the lives of five people, including two children, the family was told. It was a privilege to meet Katie and to capture her honesty and acerbic sense of humor on tape. I've heard from many of you who connected to some part of their story as sisters, and Alex told me that hearing from you now might help. So if you have a reflection to share, email us a note or send a voice memo to deathsexmoney at wnyc.org, and we will share it with Alex and her family. Rest in peace, Katie. Now, here's the latest episode. I used to clean before I would songwrite. It was sort of like a way of ordering my inner world, but life doesn't work that way. This is Death, Sex, and Money. Why did you have to die? The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. My husband, I believe, is seeing another woman. And need to talk about more. Money feels like money. I'm Anna Sale. Joy Williams is most famous for being half of the Civil Wars, the folk rock duo known for their spare ballads and timeless roots music. But when she was 18, Joy had a different sound. Her first album had that early 2000s pop sheen, and it was all about God. I was like full on in that. Joy's first four albums were contemporary Christian music. You know, you can find that on YouTube. And it's, you know, for me, it's almost like if you were to have a high school um, yearbook, like video taped, Mm -hmm. like if everybody had that, that's what this feels like to me. You know, it's like you look back and you go, oh my, what was I doing with my hair? I'm like, what, really? Really? that, That sparkle tank top? Joy grew up at Christian family camps. Her dad ran a religious retreat center in California. There were, um, you know, group dinners offered and hiking trails and rock climbing and ropes courses. And I worked at the daycare when the kids would come for all the family camps. I would work like 12 hours a day. You know, it was a very peaceful place to grow up. 
Joy's dad had been an executive at a technology company before she was born, but he felt pulled back to the church. My dad left like a seven-figure job to go clean toilets and, um, and lead dining room prayers at camps. Joy started singing at those camps, and by her late teens and early 20s, she was touring the country as a Christian artist, scoring number one singles on Billboard's Christian charts, and living in Nashville to be closer to her record label. That's where she met her husband, at an Italian restaurant. Her friends encouraged her to flirt with the charming waiter. She tried to demure. I think I was suspicious that somehow this wouldn't be an opportunity, but rather some sort of, like, temptation. (laughs) Temptation, like a temptation sex. Oh, just any kind of temptation. Like, at that point, it was like making out was a temptation. Like, I was, you know, there was pure as the driven snow would would have kind of been the moniker at that point in time when we met. And uh, um, so he brought appetizers out to us for free, which is very charming. And then he told me that he'd been interning and going to college, and I had just come off of a tour and was pretty flush considering my age. So um, at the end of the dinner... I gave him a really big, I gave him like a 120% tip because he was super cute. What I didn't know is that when I went to the bathroom, my girlfriends wrote my number on the back of my receipt and made it look like it was from me. So <laughs> when I left, cash with your I know, I'm like, God, I may as well have just given him like a, like for a good time call this number in like a room key. It was like, I was mortified when I found out what they'd done. So I was like, oh dear God, like, please don't, please don't call me. He did call her, and they married quickly. I was actually 21, and Nate was a week shy of 23 when we got married. Nate was interning at a record company. He slowly moved up in the music business, while Joy started questioning whether Christian music was a good fit. Over time, I started going, why? And really? Some of that um, restrictive language, and, and I felt like sometimes it was more about a culture than it was about an actual like personal journey. And so personally for me, I just felt like there was, I had more questions. And so I felt like the questions needed to be dealt with um, outside of making music. She started earning money by selling magazine advertisements and writing commercial jingles. I actually wrote the new theme song for Oscar Mayer. How does it go? Um... It doesn't get better than this. Thank you, Oscar Mayer. Then in 2008, Joy met a musician named John Paul White at a country music songwriting workshop. And it was um, it was like meeting somebody that I'd known for a really long time. Together, they formed the band The Civil Wars. Joy's husband, Nate, became their manager. Their first album went gold. They won four Grammys in three years. It was a very powerful creative connection that John Paul and I had. When you connect with someone creatively who's a man... Mm-hmm. When you're both married, did it feel dangerous? Yeah, it did. And and Nate and I talked about that a lot. Um, not in the sense in you know, it, something can't cause you harm unless you allow it to, you know. But it was more about how do we stay connected as a couple um, 
in order for that to not be something that, that gets in the way or gets in the middle. Um, and that was something that we worked really hard on in our marriage um, throughout the existence of the civil wars. Um, and I think that's a lot of, a lot of times that's what people, I think, gravitated to on top of the music itself was, was this sort of fascination of, um, but they're not married, but there's this, there's this creative connect that's very strong. And, um, and it was very strong until it wasn't. In the midst of all their commercial and critical success, tensions between Joy and John Paul were escalating. And in 2012, the Civil Wars abruptly canceled all their shows in the middle of a European tour. On their Facebook page, the band cited internal discord and irreconcilable differences of ambition. Your mouth is poison. Your mouth is wine. I wanted one thing, and he didn't want that. Um, and a professional difference of opinion can feel very personal. That tension between a personal and professional relationship is something Joy and John Paul played up in the Civil War's music. The video for this song, Poison and Wine, is all about longing, with very sexy and very close shots of them looking at each other. When you look at old music videos of the Civil Wars and how it captured the chemistry that you two had together, how does it feel now? I'm sad um, because we don't speak anymore. And yeah, I feel like I'm looking at a ghost in a way. <laughs> hmm. And I think... Rumors, 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 so many rumors uh, were, were you know, circulated. Rumors um, of, like, r romantic entanglements that blew up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I, again, there were, there were tensions. It, it, it wasn't clear at times. And, um, and I think that's when you have to be so careful. And that's when you have to ask yourself, what is it that you truly want in life? And, um, and make decisions out of that. Um, but that being said, that means that you can, you can lose. Saying yes to something means saying no to something else. Saying no to something means saying yes to something else. You have to weigh, you have to weigh those questions very deeply. And um, that, that happened for me. <laughs> I, I want to pause and just say, you know, I, I am I'm divorced and I know what it mm -hmm. is to be asked to talk about a breakup when you're the only one narrating and you're very yeah, aware that there's another side to yeah. it. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I do want to be sensitive to that. I didn't go, you know, I didn't go through a relational divorce, but I went through a creative divorce. But it is a difficult place to be in um, trying to move forward in the public eye. Um, when there is a sense of entitlement that people have about something that is nuanced, way less dramatic than I think people would like to think, and difficult when I'm the only one sitting in this chair. How was your marriage in that moment? Rough. So rough. Um, bedraggled. <laughs> when the family business of, you know, of the Civil Wars, when it collapsed, it collapsed on multiple fronts for me and for Nate. 
and and we we almost gave up. We almost quit on each other. Um, we didn't make any grand declarations that we would stay together. We we kind of took that off the table. Um, I went to a you know a therapist on my own, and then Nate and I went to couples therapy, and it was huge. It was huge for us. It was like, it was like, Oh, this is why. Okay. It's like you start doing the algebra, you start doing reverse algebra and you realize this is how we got to this place. I was so busy trying to be perfect. You were so busy trying to, uh, hold it all together and be strong. And isn't it interesting what happens when we only try and give each other the best versions of ourselves? What's it like now? What's your marriage like now? God, I am so much more in love with the man sitting across the dining room table than I have ever been. And I think I'm more loving towards myself. And, man, we, I mean, God, do we know each other's ins and outs. The Civil War's very public breakup was just one strain on Joy and Nate's marriage at the time. Coming up, what happened when Joy learned she was pregnant just when she got news that her father had terminal cancer. I remember my dad asking if he could touch my pregnant belly and us having to ask the doctors if it was okay um, because he'd had chemo. But he got to meet my son. The Death, Sex, and Money team just traveled to New Orleans to talk with people about the upcoming 10-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina next month. On the next episode, you'll meet some of them and hear their stories. When it gets hot, I tend to have more dreams. And you're thinking to yourself, i got to make sure I have a tank full of gas. I have to have these things in place in case I need to evacuate. I will never forget the debriefing session that I had with a uh, volunteer psychiatrist. And uh, I'll never forget bawling my eyes out at the end of that Definitely in like the two years after the storm, I was lashing out at all things at all times, but not knowing why. Like, I was just really distraught. Like we used to go to New Orleans East and let and, like light cars on fire because you could do that. The money was plentiful, you know. A lot was happening after Katrina. I mean, money slinging everywhere. You know, everybody had human checks, girl. I couldn't leave my parents. I wasn't leaving the city. I didn't know what opportunities were here. It was really just a, a, a situation of you know, blaze your own trail or. Leave. We're working on this now. It's all coming to you the week of August 17th. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better. David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We took it all. 
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hi, I'm Debbie Millman and I host a podcast called Design Matters from the TED Audio Collective. Every episode, I have conversations with designers, writers, artists, and other luminaries of contemporary thought. People like Roman Mars, Ai Weiwei, Ethan Hawke, and Ashley Ford. We not only talk about their crafts, but how they design the arc of their lives, what they've learned, what obstacles they've overcome and how they've done it, and how they see the world. Join us for an inquiry into the broader world of creative culture. Find and follow Design Matters with Debbie Millman wherever you're listening to this. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. When Joy Williams and her husband Nate found out she was pregnant with their son Miles, they kept it very quiet at first. Nate and I had lost two other children prior to that, um, so I was very... I was um, very protective of um, of the pregnancy with Miles. Like, we didn't tell anybody about it till I was almost six months. Mm-hmm. We announced it on the Grammy, the red carpet. Wow, so you have, you'd have two previous miscarriages, and then you announce mm-hmm. a six-month pregnancy on the red carpet yeah. of the Grammys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's always more than meets the eye, isn't there, Anna? So as, as all this is happening in your professional life, in your public life, mm-hmm. you're losing your father. Mhm. <laughs> yeah. Um I'd experienced loss, you know, um in a way of you know being pregnant, but I didn't know what it would feel like to be pregnant and and hear the cancer's back. It was almost too much, you know? <laughs> Like the band, I mean, the band being under strain, being pregnant. And I was, I had horrible, I had horrible, um, I can laugh about it now. I had horrible morning sickness, which was not morning sickness. It was 24 hours a day. I couldn't stand up um, without uh, projectile um, or having the inclination to do so. And I found out, Nate and I found out we were pregnant two days into a, what was like a 50-city tour. Um, so I learned how to not projectile on stage um which is really funny when you talk to other female musicians who they're like you too me too <laughs> we are badasses you just women, hold it by the way what do you do you you literally have this instinct of like this cannot happen this will not happen i didn't have it. it's not like i even had a band i couldn't be like hey you take a long drum solo i'm gonna go find a bucket it was like john paul and me <laughs> on stage so you just literally go you learn in between phrases to swallow accordingly um but yeah there was just a there was i just felt like there was so much happening at the same time that it was all i could do to stay present and when we were off the road i would go fly and nate and i would go fly and see my dad um 
my husband Nate would give my dad haircuts in the hospital. <laughs> mm. um, we would read to each other. We would sit. There's just so much sitting in that moment. It's like you're, there is so much birth analogy in relation to death. The waiting and the um, when is this going to happen and how is this going to go and um, I'm so scared and but I want but I want him I want my dad to be out of pain um, and then he, they he lost his power of speech and all he could do is blink and so I I started singing him the songs that I'd been writing and um, and we made a joke of like blink twice if you like it and blink once if you don't. What song did he really like? He uh, he loved a song I wrote called Welcome Home. And um, he would ask me to sing From This Valley, uh, which was a song that John Paul and I wrote. And uh, and I would I would sing that to him. I sang that I sang that to him many times. Oh, will you take me from this valley? To that mountain high above Oh, I will pray, pray, pray Till I see your smiling face I will pray, pray to the one I love You know, it ended up being part of the memorial service I miss him And my parents and I, you know, don't agree or didn't agree um, on everything, but that was also what made our relationship really rich and still does with my mom. Being with my dad through the process of his passing through, as I like to say, um, really did, I don't know, while it untethered me, I feel like it also rooted me back in a way to the things that matter the most to me. <laughs> Musician Joy Williams. Her solo album, Venus, was released last month. Death, Sex, and Money is a production of WNYC. The team includes Katie Bishop, Emily Botine, James Ramsey, Rachel Aronoff, Benjamin Franklin, and Joe Plourd. Special thanks to Daniel Guimet for his help with this episode. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money. The next time you'll hear from me during the week of August 17th, I'll be married. Very exciting. You can keep in touch until then by signing up for our weekly newsletter. That's at deathsexmoney.org slash newsletter. You can also email us anytime at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. One last lesson from Joy Williams' father. If you're going to baptize your daughter in the Pacific Ocean, just make sure you keep your eyes on the waves coming in. The joke that we've always had was my dad's voice like went up an octave from the Pacific Ocean water that had just crept ever so slightly up. So it was like, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. And, the <laughs> and then I laughed and we laughed and we fell in the water. And that was like my favorite 
I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. It's opinion palooza season here at Slate. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, the host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the courts and the law and the Supreme Court. As this Supreme Court term hurdles towards its close, the justices are handing down decisions that will shape our politics and our lives for years and decades to come. My team and I are putting out analysis of the biggest cases just as quickly as we can bound to our closets and fire up our laptops to speak to you. From presidential immunity to social media content regulation to domestic abusers' gun rights, we will be here unpacking the news for you. Listen to Amicus wherever you get your podcasts.